Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. It's good to be continuing our series, Live the Life. And today we're going to wrap up Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn over there. We've been studying the book of Ephesians verse by verse, as you know. And in chapter 4, the letter takes this big turn. Paul, the author, turns his focus from theological to practical. And he turns from knowing to going. And he sums that shift up in the first verse of the chapter just by saying, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, in light of what you know, go live it. Live the life that God has for you. And with that one statement, Paul transitions to the quality of life Christ's followers are called to live. Now, we're not trying to attain a certain standard with God. We're trying to live according to the calling we've already received. So let's talk about what your life looks like. You are in Christ. So what should that look like? And Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start with verse 17. He says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now, Paul starts with the old way you used to live. He just says, no, basically stop that. Now in verse 20, he talks about this new way we're going to start living. Verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, the metaphor that Paul uses when he talks about taking off and putting on involves clothing or your wardrobe. Now, earlier he used the body as a metaphor. Now he's going to talk about the clothing that we put onto our body. And this isn't new because in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And then over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, it's a common metaphor that Paul uses. Because of Christ, we have a new identity. It's to be worn like a new wardrobe. And it's a great metaphor that we can all relate to because, well, we all have clothes. And your clothes, what, what you wear, what I wear, really does say a lot about who you are, right? The problem is we don't always get it right, do we? Anyone else ever go through some old pictures and wonder, what was I thinking? For example, today the trend is skinny jeans. Hmm. It was baggy jeans in the 80s. What about those neon workout gear with a matching fanny pack? Was that ever even a good idea? And you laugh, but some of you, I'll bet, still have those in your closet. See, we've all made wardrobe mistakes. All of us have old clothes that we're embarrassed and ashamed of or 
maybe you don't know that you should be ashamed and embarrassed. Oh, but we have old clothes that we've gotten rid of or want nothing to do with because why? Because they're hideous. Well, Paul says the same is true of Christians and their spiritual clothes. There's the old you, the out of style, embarrassing, hideous you that you need to take off and get rid of. Why? Because there's a new you in Christ and you need to put that on and wear it. Because of Christ, we have a closet full of new clothes at our disposal. Now, how cool is that? It's there for the taking. Our job is to simply put it on and wear it. We don't have to create it. We don't have to purchase it. Christ did that for us. Our job is to put it on and wear the new stuff that he's given us. Now, what are these new clothes? Now, Paul isn't talking about literal clothing, obviously. He's talking about behavior, a new way of life that we learned when we were taught about Christ. Now, what is it? Well, Paul gives a three-step process, and I take this from verses 22 and 23. First, put off your old self. In other words, stop some things. Second, be made new in the attitude of your minds. In other words, you have to start thinking differently. And then third, you put on the new self, which was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's putting off the old, putting on the new, but crucially, there's a change of thinking. You see, instead of relying on man's empty thinking, we rely on this truth. I am saved by the grace of God. Remember, in the first three chapters, Paul took us to the summit of the mountain to gain a view of all that God has done for us. And because of that, now I will live like it. All right, let's pause here because Paul describes a life apart from Christ. It's a life of resistance and stubbornness towards God that just says, I don't need God. A life of rebellion toward God that just says, I know best. A life of disobedience to God that says, I'll do what I want. We've all been there. But Paul says that must go. It's not a suggestion either. And I like this. He is insisting on it in the Lord. And it isn't his opinion or advice either. He's speaking on behalf of Christ. Now, this new life with new behavior begins with a new way of thinking. Paul says, give up the futility of your thinking. And that means empty-headed. He wants them to engage their minds to think. Instead of being empty-headed, he wants them to focus on living the life to which they were called. And he also says not to be darkened, is the way he puts it, in their understanding. Now, darkened means to obscure or hide. So rather than understanding the truth, a person believes an obscured version of truth. And here's what happens to those who think this way, who reject Christ as Lord. Verse 19, so, it's so blatantly clear. It says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. In other words, they just want more and more. Losing sensitivity, it means becoming apathetic. They don't, they don't care anymore. They want to feel better, so they give themselves over or surrender to whatever feels good. They give up and they give in. But Paul insists that they choose new clothes, which is very interesting. The reason Paul can insist they live differently is because it's a choice. This is important. How we live is a choice. We get to choose. Our choices, you see, are based on our thinking. 
And God created us with the ability to choose our thinking. Isn't that great? So this new way of living requires a choice to have a new mindset. See, up to this point, Paul has spoken in very broad terms. He says new mindset, new clothes. He's taken us to the summit to clearly see God's goodness, mercy, graces, blessings that are all ours in Christ. And he makes us more aware that our position in Christ is the basis for our practice in everyday life. See, our blessings should determine our behavior. Our new beliefs should lead to new behavior. And as a result, we move from that downward spiral of depravity to that upward calling of Jesus. And that, and this, it leads to new behavior. All right, in verses 25 through 32, Paul mentions, mentions five areas in which there's behavior that we need to take off and behavior that we should put on. Now he gives, and he gives some choices. It's the old versus the new, the dark versus light, the futile thinking versus the righteous thinking. So. We're going to look at these very specific behaviors where to either take off or put on to live the life worthy of our calling. And he starts with our words. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You see, Paul says to live the life, we have to take off falsehood. Now, what does that mean? Well, generally, falsehood is anything that's untrue. So that's lying, purposefully deceiving people. But what about half-truths and white lies? Half-truths have some truth in them but aren't totally true. White lies won't hurt anyone or might be beneficial. Well, what about not lying but concealing the truth? You see, Paul says get rid of, of, of all of it. Why? Why is it critical to put off falsehood? because it's inconsistent with the character and the nature of Christ. And it doesn't point to him in any way. You see, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, in fact, that Satan is the father of lies in John chapter eight. So whenever we lie, he says, who do we point to? Well, lying points to and makes much of Satan. It's also unloving, very unloving. It doesn't help anybody. You want a doctor to, who knows that you have cancer, but to spare your feelings, who, who doesn't tell you, well, you know, the doctor may say she's going to die without treatment, but I'd hate to upset her. No, you, or at least I, want the truth. Jesus says the truth will set you free. The most loving thing we can do is tell the truth. So, we live a life worthy of the calling by taking off falsehood and putting on truth. All right, second, we live the life by dealing with our anger properly, verse 26 and 27. Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. All right, anyone have anger issues? We all do at times, right? But notice verse 26 implies that not all anger is bad. It just says, in your anger, do not sin, which implies there is sinful and not sinful anger. There's righteous and unrighteous anger. So what's the difference? See, righteous anger at its source is consistent with the heart of God. Whenever, whenever you hear of people being abused or marginalized, kids being bullied or trafficked, someone taking advantage of the elderly, people maliciously hurting others, a mass shooting, 
or the anger that you feel whenever God is mocked or devalued. That is righteous anger. We see this kind of anger in Jesus whenever he cleanses the temple. See, unrighteous anger is different, though. It's inconsistent with the heart of God. Usually, it's anger that's focused on myself rather than on God or, or others. But we all experience this kind of anger, and it, too, isn't inherently sinful. Ultimately, you see, it boils down to how you deal with it. Unrighteous anger is an anger that festers and burns out of control. So the difference is between controlling it or being controlled by it. So how do you deal with it? As some people stew, they bury it deep down inside while other people spew. They put people on blast immediately. Neither, are they, ne neither of those are healthy. The healthy way is to surrender it to God and deal with it quickly through forgiveness. Now, what Paul says is, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because when we do allow it to sit around for a while, Satan gets a foothold. See, a foothold is a secure position from which progress can be made. The devil is always trying to gain ground and control in our lives. And one of the most effective ways he does it is through anger. So, Make sure you get your control, make sure that you get control of your anger before your anger gets control of you. Deal with it, he's saying. When you're angry, ask yourself, is my anger about me or about God? Am I going to respond proactively or reactively? Am I going to let this anger be used to advance Satan's desires for my life or God's purposes? So that's a great question. Well, but Paul isn't done. Let's continue. Let's listen to his words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, if you've been stealing, stop. You know, it's not enough to just stop sinning, right? It, you need to do good. The former thief uh, must now help those in need. Paul is saying, don't make yourself overly dependent on others. Get a job, work. Not to get rich, though, not just to get rich, but to give. Now, stealing seems obvious, right? But let me give some examples to think about. Taking stuff at work that isn't yours. You know, access doesn't mean ownership. How about not correcting someone's mistake? Maybe you were undercharged or got too much change. Hmm? Cheating on your taxes. Someone else's dishonesty, you see, doesn't excuse yours. How about being lazy at work? Doing something at work other than work is stealing. And Paul says, the new you isn't about taking, it's about giving. Start working so that you can be productive and give to others. And here's something important. The call is the same despite socioeconomic status or your circumstances. Do something productive, not only for yourself, but for the benefit of others. Living the life isn't about taking. It's about giving, allowing God to work through us. Why? Because it reflects the nature of an extravagantly generous God. Christians should be the most generous people in the world because, well, we've learned from the best, right? Okay, next, Paul t talks again about our words. We're in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only 
what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, again, he doesn't just say, stop sinning, do good. I mean, it makes sense, but that's not what he says. Now, what is unwholesome talk? How about cursing? Yep. See, for example, I'm kidding. You probably don't need examples of cussing. But what about gossip? Hyper, being hypercritical or judgmental talk, sarcasm. See, any, any kind of talk that tears down. What about coarse joking, off-color jokes, full of innuendo? My mother would say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Paul would agree with my mom. Unwholesome talk is any talk that tears people down or leads them astray. See, instead, he says, speak words that add value and build others up. Speak words that encourage, inspire, and motivate. Point out the good instead of always pointing out what's bad or wrong. I challenge you to try that this week. Try it with your kids, your spouse, your coworkers. Only speak positive words. I'm serious about this. Only speak words that build others up and see what happens. Now, it, they may think you've gone crazy, but I bet they'll appreciate it. If you want to live the life You've got to take off unwholesome talk and speak truth, love, and life. And here's why this is important. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, he said, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. Scary, isn't it? But it's true. One day we will give an account for every careless word. If we believed that, and we should, how might that change our speech? Okay, can you handle one more? Whew, like it or not, Paul has one more, and it's a doozy. Verse, starting with verse 30. He said, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. As if he hadn't given us enough to think about, he goes on a complete roll here at the end. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In our language, don't be a jerk. When we hurt others, it causes God pain. To grieve means to cause pain. So how do we prevent grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul says, you get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. And again, let's define some terms. I think it's important. Bitterness, you see, this is just having an embittered and resentful spirit which refuses reconciliation. Rage and anger, those are, that's just strong resentment because of something that someone else has done. Brawling, it just is a reference to disputes and quarrels. Slander. Well, that's abusive speech against someone by telling lies about them. Malice, that's wishing or causing injury to someone. So instead, he says, we need to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. God, through Christ, extended those things to us, and he's calling us to do the same for one another. So how do we pull this off? Well, the Holy Spirit has given us everything we need to live the life. Amen? To, to let kindness and forgiveness be the first reaction and not the last. Our part is simply to take off the old clothes and to put on the new and keep putting them on every single day. Let's acknowledge some realities. 
we're going to have problems with other people because we're breathing oxygen. And we carry with us into Christianity our character, the influences that we've had in, in, in our culture, good and bad. The process of becoming more like Jesus, well, it includes chipping away what is not like Jesus. We've been created with the ability to make choices to do good or evil. We can choose good. You see, the key is our thinking. Think like the world and you'll act like the world, tearing others down. If you think like Christ, you will act like Christ, build others up. See, God has new clothes for you. The question is, will you wear them? Will you throw away the old clothes and put on the new ones? Will you grab hold of the life that God desires for you? His desire for you is to have life and have it to the full. But do you want it? If so, what do you need to take off and stop? Some of you need to take drastic measures and make some changes today. Do you struggle with lying, stealing, anger? Maybe it's your, maybe it's your language, your, what you say. Whatever it is, today is the day to deal with it. Today is the day to stop some things. And today, it's time to start some new behaviors. Wouldn't you agree? Great opportunity. What do you need to put on? Now, some of you need to put on Christ maybe for the very first time. And some of you need to get back on track. And some of you just need to get back into the game. Regardless, regardless of what your next step is, do it today. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, I thank you for the boldness of the scripture and the truth that we have heard today. And what stuck out for me more than anything else in this passage is the tone of Paul's writing when he said, I insist, I insist. He's insisting, Father, that, that we get serious, that we live lives that are serious about walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, just, just being obedient to you. And Father, I pray that through your spirit, you will empower each one of us, uh, every man, woman, and child who is listening. I pray you will empower us, Father, to walk, to, to, to be more like Christ, to keep fully in the footsteps of Christ so that you may be glorified. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.